from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I am your host, Jordan Hill. We have a solo episode of the Junkyard Dogcast this week. Got Rusty out on the road staying busy. Got Kip uh, trying to get over a uh, sickness, hoping he's feeling better today. But a lot to talk about as we get into this Thursday afternoon, um, looking at uh, everything that's been going on around Georgia, everything that uh, has been discussed and talked about over the last few days. Um, It it was kind of crazy when we did our Tuesday episode of the podcast, really didn't have time to talk about some of the news that we wanted to get to uh, in the two commits that had pledged to Georgia earlier in the week. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. we're also going to uh, discuss some of, some of the other things going on. I think uh, we would be remiss not to open the podcast talking about yesterday's news that I think some people kind of caught some people off guard, but also it was something that we had been hearing a little bit more and more about uh, as the transfer portal window, close of that window is getting closer and closer. And that's the news that A.D. Mitchell is expected to go into the portal. Um, we still, to this point, haven't heard official word that he's in, but all indications are he is going in the portal. Caught a lot of people off guard. He was a guy that came into this season, expected to be the number one wide receiver for Georgia, winds up getting banged up in the second game against Samford, and, and kind of derails his whole season. He winds up coming back. He plays four snaps against Auburn. Um, he gets out there for the Georgia Tech game uh, abs- um, at the end, ultimately didn't play a snap in that Georgia Tech game, comes back for the LSU game, um, and then is full go for the playoff run. So, you know, a lot uh, to kind of digest with that. You know, there's talk about family and getting back to Texas, if that was a big part of it. Um, it's kind of unclear. Uh, on the outside looking in, um, there, there's been some talk about USC. From everything I've heard, it really seems like, uh, it is going to be the Texas Longhorns, but we will watch and we will see. Uh, the thing to me when it comes to this, one, very big loss for Georgia. I don't think you can downplay it because A.D. Mitch was a really good player. Look at his play in the four playoff games that he participated in these last two seasons. You know, he has the big catch against Alabama in the national title game. He has the go-ahead score against Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. Um, very significant. I don't think you can downplay it. but you know, look at what Georgia added to the receiver room this offseason. Dominic Lovett, uh, I think he might wind up being that X receiver, that number one guy. Uh, had a great season at Missouri and did a really good job against Georgia. I think he wound up with 86 yards in that game back on October 1st. Ra-Ra Thomas, you bring back Lad McConkey. I think having Lad back, especially with the A.D. Mitchell news, is huge. Um, you've got a lot of talented young receivers coming back, Dylan Bell. Nylon Morissette, you've got the guys they've added, um, several of whom came in early and participated in bowl practice, Tyler Williams, uh, Anthony Evans among them. Um, So obviously, I don't think you can downplay the loss of A.D. Mitchell, but they've got other options. You know, they had to play without A.D. 
for most of the 2022 season. Obviously, that was not by design, but they found a way to do it. And I don't think you can downplay that. And, you know, credit Kip Adams, uh, my coworker, he wrote a story today going back to when we had a chance to talk to Brian McClendon. And this was before the national title game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, he talked about how this receiver room kind of had to learn how to play without AD and, and sort of the blessing in disguise. Not that you want a guy hurt, but it put guys in a position where they had to show what they were able to do. And they had guys that um, had to step up and they had guys that needed uh, to fill roles and to play bigger roles, perhaps, than they even expected. Um, so that will be worthwhile for Georgia losing A.D. Mitchell in that these guys were tested already. And it seems like, you know, they they passed those tests. Georgia did enough to go 15-0, win a national championship. Um, there's been a lot of debate the last, you know, 24 hours about, you know, where do we stand with A.D. Mitchell as far as his legacy? You know, Elva talk, is he a damn good dog? What is he? I, I don't think you can discredit everything A.D. accomplished. He came up big in so many big moments. I get if there's hard feelings among fans leaving um, and, and seeing him go elsewhere, wherever he winds up playing. But dude accomplished a lot. Dude came back at the end of this season and made plays. And again, you know, he has the play that gets Georgia in the national championship game this season and had the play that, if I'm remembering correctly, was the go-ahead score against Alabama. So I think a lot of credit is due to him, and I get the hard feelings right right now with the news still being fresh, uh, but I hope people in time learn they can move along and uh, make peace with what he was able to do when he was at Georgia. Other news to talk about on Thursday, we're recording this around 12.05 Eastern time, if you're hearing this after the fact. Reports early this morning Pointing Todd Munkin as a potential candidate for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator position. They fired Brian Leftwich, uh, or Byron Leftwich, I should say, earlier this morning uh, after four seasons as the offensive coordinator. And uh, a lot of smoke already about Todd Munkin potentially being a candidate there. Um, you know, nothing really to report on that front, but more of speculation on my part about Todd Munkin and specifically when it comes to this Buccaneers job. To me, it just doesn't make sense if he were to take this job. I think there were better options out there if he decides he wants to go back to the NFL. Um, he's 56. You know, he's still got plenty of time left to coach. But if he feels like his opportunities to coach in the NFL uh, will be dwindling as the years go on, maybe he decides he wants to jump back. But looking at Tampa Bay specifically, it's very clear at this point Tom Brady is not coming back to Tampa Bay for the 2023 season. Where Tom Brady plays, it's unclear. Um, but a very suspect offense coming back. You've got Todd Bowles, who uh, is very much going to be on the hot seat going into 2023 after a really rough 2022 season, his first as the head coach in Tampa. Uh, but I think there would be better opportunities if Todd Munkin decides he wants to go back into the NFL and coach at that level again. You know, the the one positive that I can see and and I don't really know the rest of that coaching staff I'm, I don't believe he and Todd Bowles have ever coached together at least not in recent years um, but the only positive that I see with Tampa Bay from his standpoint is the fact that he's coached there before he was on the staff with Dirk Cutter um, and he winds up um, being the offensive coordinator there I think for three seasons and then they wind up getting fired um, and Bruce Arians comes in um, you know, d does he really want to go into a situation where, you know, maybe they do trade for a quarterback, but um, 
I think Kyle Trask might be the backup in Tampa Bay. I, I'm not aware of who, you know, Blaine. I don't know if Blaine Gabbard is still there. Um, yeah, I saw a good, uh, good comment. Craig Lawson, uh, if Bowles takes Monk and Kirby is benching his son, Troy Bowles is coming in as a, uh, as an inside linebacker in this 2023 class, uh, kind of an interesting sort of curveball with that. I don't think it would really play a, a factor for anyone involved when it comes to this hire. I, I mentioned this on our board to me, if I'm Todd Munkin, one, you get to be selective. You're, you're the highest paid assistant coach in college football. Uh, no one is pushing you out the door, certainly in Athens. And there are good opportunities at the NFL right now. Now, I think that if Todd is going to the NFL, it's probably as a coordinator. I don't see anyone looking at him specifically as a head coach, and he probably has to have a successful run as an NFL OC to be in the mix for an NFL head coaching job if that's something he wants. But to me, the job that I would be interested in, uh, if it's open and if it's something that they want to do, is Los, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers uh, with a young quarterback, Justin Herbert. Um, you've got the playmakers around him. Uh, you've got the receivers. Um, I saw people saying, well, how different is that a situation compared to Tampa Bay in that, you know, uh, Brandon Saley is going to be going into a new season on the hot seat. And I do get that. But if you're Todd Munkin, yeah, the talks we've ever had with Todd, again, we don't get him a lot. We did get to talk to him a couple times uh, during that playoff run. You know, very confident in himself, and he should be because of the track record. But if you're a coach who sees that kind of personnel in Los Angeles and says, look, I can fix this, then you're probably going to go try to do it. And also, if he takes care of business on the offensive side of the ball and let's say Brandon Saley's defense on the other side doesn't get it done, let's say they kind of struggle – have a, a similar season or, you know, maybe around 500, they fire Brandon Staley. If Todd Munkin does his job, maybe he gets that head coaching job. Um, again, I haven't seen anything linking uh, Todd Munkin to the Chargers, but to me, you are in a great position at Georgia. You need to be very selective if you decide, yes, I want to go back to the NFL. Tampa Bay doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, um, but it's going to be something to watch because earlier in the week, uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler had reported that Todd Munkin's name was getting mentioned for a lot of these jobs, not one specifically. Uh, it was Ian Rappaport uh, from NFL uh, Network that pointed to Tampa Bay as a specific option for Todd Munkin. But it's going to be something to watch. It's going to add to what's still a pretty busy stretch of time for uh, Georgia and going in. You know, We're still waiting on uh, some news on Cedric Van Pran if he's staying or going. Um, still a lot going on on that front. Uh, but it's going to be something to follow. And again, very intrigued to see what Todd Munkin does uh, because he has a great opportunity at Georgia. Obviously, they are losing talent from the 2022 team. But, uh, you know, it's a situation where they've got a lot of talent coming back. They've got a schedule, as we have already detailed quite a bit on the podcast and also on the website. You know, that they not only should be the favorite in, in most games, if not all, you know, you, you might look at like the Tennessee game as one game where things may be up in the air, but also you kind of have a runway with whoever winds up winning the starting quarterback job with how easy, especially three of the first four games of the 2023 season are going to be. But we'll detail it all. We'll keep an eye on what's going on with Todd Munkin and see if anything happens or if he stays put for Georgia for another season. Um, so we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk a little bit about the commits Georgia landed earlier this week. Uh, talk a little bit about 
what we expect from them and, and what that means for Georgia to already be putting together a really strong 2025 class. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back, everybody. Well, you know, we had sort of a, a packed podcast on Tuesday with everything we wanted to talk about, everything we wanted to get to. And we kind of got offline and Kip texted me and said, we didn't even talk about the commits. And I went, oh, my God, we didn't. And we talked for probably 35, 40 minutes, just didn't get a chance to get to it. Georgia was able to add to what already has the makings of a really strong 2025 recruiting class. Justice Terry, a four-star Defensive lineman from Manchester, Georgia, which is about 45 minutes northeast of Columbus, had a chance to cover Manchester a good bit back in the day, working at the Columbus Ledger Inquirer. He commits, and also a four-star offensive tackle, Micah DeBose. He also commits uh, to the Georgia Bulldogs. That was back on January 16th. Um, very strong start. You know, when you look at both of these guys, Justice Terry, 6'5", 270, uh, Manchester, a little, if, if I'm not mistaken, they were 1A back in the day when I was covering them. I, I'm not sure if they still are, but a dude that immediately stands out, has made a lot of plays and garnered a lot of attention, and rightfully so. And then Micah DeBose, 6'5", 315, has a build of an offensive tackle that you want at the next level um, uh, already, even considering how young he is. And he's got he's at a program in Mobile, Alabama, in Viger High School, who has turned out a lot of talent over the years um, and is traditionally one of the strongest programs in their classification in the state of Alabama. Um, a lot to like in those guys. And it's so crazy, especially sitting here thinking about the fact we're talking about the 2025 signing class. You know, think about something that makes you feel old. But Georgia's already got four commits in that class as it stands in the number one class in the 2025 cycle. Also have Jaden Perlot, a linebacker, five-star uh, from Buford. Also have Jabri Wallace-Coleman, a running back from Philadelphia. You know, it, it's one of those things, the earlier you can get guys on board, uh, the better off you are. Obviously, time will tell. Who all lands in this class, even among these guys, among these four players who've already committed. But um, Georgia's putting themselves in a really good position with those guys. And, and you got to like the attention to some big positions. I mean, defensive line, offensive tackle, running back, linebacker, um, sort of key pieces when you also think about eventually having to focus on bringing in quarterbacks, things of that nature when it gets to that point. And um, recruiting, obviously, is now the focus for Georgia at this point in the season. You think about the fact uh, that uh, the coaching staff has been all over the place this week uh, trying to get out and, and visit different schools, trying to get the word out there again, fresh off of a national championship. 
Uh, This time of year is so crucial for Georgia. And and the coaching staff understands that, and the coaching staff's working to make the most of it. And obviously the focus immediately is going to be the 2024 cycle. But the sooner you can get in with some of these kids and and build those relationships, the better off you're going to be. Um, You have to think that Georgia likes where it stands. Again, you add those two guys to the 2025 cycle. Um, you know, pretty good start to this point to the 2024 class with um, room to to add some more guys as well um, and trying to chase guys like Dylan Riola and, and some of the other talented guys in the 2024 cycle. But, uh, you know, again, you'll have to like how Georgia has handled at least this point uh, up to this point, knowing it's going to be a very busy uh, end of the winter and into spring and trying to maximize the opportunities they get to get in front of these kids and, again, tout back-to-back championships. You know, uh, I know a lot of these kids, uh, the the attention is going to be about trying to go to the next level, and Georgia obviously has that to boast about as well. But when you win like Georgia's doing, it'll do nothing but good things when it comes to recruiting, to showing uh, the blueprint that has worked, that has not only helped guys win on Saturdays, but has also allowed them to go on and play on Sundays and, and go really high in the draft. So I'm um, going to keep uh, close tabs on uh, the uh, progress of these next two classes, seeing how Georgia is able to add to it, the uh, amount of attention they give these guys and, and how things play out in the weeks and months to come. Uh, before we close out what is going to be a pretty shorter podcast, just with everything going on and also with this being a solo show, I also want to make sure and talk about Georgia men's basketball uh, we talked about on Tuesday what a big game they had that night against Kentucky. Played a really good first half and uh, put up 42 points, which was tied for Georgia's season high in a first half. Just couldn't keep it up after halftime. Oscar Sheboy put on a show, and he had 37 points, 23 rebounds. Um, career high points-wise for Sheboy. And Georgia just didn't have an answer. You know, they they just didn't have quite – what you need to be able to keep up with a team as talented as Kentucky. Again, granted, Kentucky still been trying to find itself sometimes, especially offensively, and they had a lot of issues in that first half, but they got it together. Uh, Georgia leaves Lexington with a loss, but I still really like where this team is right now. We had talked about it on our board um, going into, or actually right after the Kentucky game. I think this is a Georgia team that, when it's all said and done, could win 19 games, which... Given where this team was, they won six games last year, one conference game. Tremendous amount of achievement and uh, a lot of praise due to Mike White, his staff, the players as well, especially the new guys they brought in. Um, but uh, a lot to do ahead. You know, I think that they're going to be tested in a big way on Saturday. They play Vanderbilt at 1 p.m. It's a very dangerous Vanderbilt team that uh, beats uh, Arkansas uh, and uh, is a team that I think if Georgia – Things they can kind of sleepwalk through and, and just kind of get back in the win column coming off a tough loss to Kentucky. They're going to be in for quite a surprise. But um, it, it'll be a really entertaining one. That game's at 1 o'clock on Saturday. I'll be there covering it and uh, giving you guys all the details as far as that goes. So we're going to wrap up this solo show. Appreciate everybody who tuned in live. Appreciate everybody who's listening to this after the fact and watching it after the fact. But we're going to get out of here on that. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Until next time, take care.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.